Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm your host, Brian Jewell. I am feeling merry and bright because it is mid-December and you decided to spend some of your time with us today. And as always, our promise to you is that we're going to do everything we can to make that investment of your time worth your while. Well, since we are in the holiday season, I thought we would spend some time today focusing on the things that the season is all about. Things such as family, things such as serving, things such as helping other people. To do that, I'm going to bring you a really cool featured conversation with Fred Carlson today. Fred is the founder of a company called Serve Vacations. They are all about blending travel experiences with service opportunities and doing it, get this, for the entire family. That's right. It's a multi-generational travel service company. Such a cool concept. Fred has so many inspiring things to say about the way that service can be a meaningful and important part of travel. I'm excited for you to hear that conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. Before we get there, though, let's start with some travel news you may have missed. The city of Venice has implemented a new fee for day trippers. Authorities in the popular Italian destination announced a pilot program last month to charge a five euro fee to enter the city on peak weekends in 2024. The fee is part of an effort to reduce crowding and improve quality of life in the fragile Lagoon City, a UNESCO World Heritage Site that many experts believe is in danger of over-tourism. Venice Mayor Luigi Brugnaro said the fee is not a new tourist tax or an attempt to bring in extra revenue, but an experiment in regulating tourist flows by incentivizing visitors to avoid high traffic periods and come on other days. The fee will apply from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. on 29 days from April to mid-July and will only apply to people visiting for the day. Workers, students, and visitors staying overnight at Venice hotels will not have to pay. If the program is successful in mitigating tourist crowding in Venice, you can expect to see similar programs rolled out in other popular destinations in 2025 and beyond. Well, now it is time for the road tip segment of our show. This is the portion of every episode where we reach into our bag of travel knowledge accumulated over several decades in the tourism business and share some tips that we think will help you make your next trip more enjoyable and less hassle. You know, since it is winter time and it is getting cold outside, I've been thinking recently about some of my favorite holiday trips over the years. And it got me thinking about one of the first holiday trips I did. Uh, I was brand new in travel journalism. This must have been like 2004 or something. And I got invited on a trip to Germany, to the province of Bavaria, to visit their famous Christmas markets. Uh, it was beautiful over there. The Christmas markets absolutely uh, were stunning and charming. I can't say enough good things about them. It's absolutely a trip you should consider doing. But uh, I was brand new to the business. I must have been 23. And on that trip, well, I made some really poor assumptions. One of the assumptions 
was that uh, weather in Germany in December would be more or less similar to the weather in Kentucky, where I have spent my whole life in the month of December. Boy, was I wrong about that. It must have been at least 10 degrees colder, maybe more every day uh, in Germany than it was at home. And I was not prepared for that. You know, the other really faulty assumption that I made was that since we were visiting in the winter, that surely our hosts and the tour organizers would put together a program of indoor activities for us because of course, it would be unpleasant to spend all day outdoors in the middle of winter. Well, what I didn't realize was that Germans are a hardy bunch of people. Uh, maybe you might call them tough, certainly a little tougher than Americans. And uh, my German hosts had no intentions of going easy on their American guests. And we spent a week in cities and towns throughout Bavaria, uh, touring most of the day outside, just like you would have done if you had visited in the middle of the summer. Well, needless to say, I was freezing. See, I had brought what I wear around uh, my hometown in the winter, which is kind of just a big winter coat, and that was it. Uh, I wasn't experienced enough, or just maybe not bright enough, to plan ahead and bring clothes that would keep me warm for long stretches outside. And it got me thinking, if you are going to do holiday travel or winter travel, well, it might be helpful for you to think ahead and prepare your travelers ahead of time for some essential items they need to stay warm on those trips. What are some of those essential items? Well, uh, the biggest mistake I made when I went to Germany was not bringing any gloves. And I thought, well, I, I can just keep my hands in my pockets if it's cold. Uh, what I didn't realize is that the cold over there was cold enough and the wind was windy enough that uh, keeping my hands in my pockets wasn't going to be enough to keep them warm. Not only that, I was trying to take notes, take pictures, all the things I normally do when I travel, and my hands were getting absolutely frigid. Fortunately, after a day or two, uh, another trip participant realized that I was struggling. She had an extra pair of those uh, unisex, one-size-fits-all stretchy gloves that she let me keep for the rest of the trip. She may have saved my life, or at least saved my fingertips from frostbite. I was so grateful to her. But uh, I realized that uh, never again should I travel in the winter without a few key things. One of those is something to keep your hands warm. Now, gloves are great, but they're not always good enough. They're not always the best solution. A couple of cool things that I have encountered recently to keep your hands warm on a cold days. Uh, number one are uh, these sort of single use hand warmers. You can uh, buy them at uh, convenience stores or all kinds of other places. They come in these little foil packets and basically you just uh, crinkle them up. You break up the material inside the packets when it gets cold out. And uh, something about that creates a chemical reaction that emits a lot of heat. And so you break those up, you keep them in your pockets, put your hands in your pockets, and boy, do they keep your hands toasty. Uh, I was introduced to those on another uh, winter trip a couple years ago. They're an absolute lifesaver. Another thing you can use are some of these uh, electric hand warming devices. You can actually travel with these, keep them in your carry-on, charge them via USB in your hotel room overnight, and they can create warmth in your pockets or anywhere else uh, on your body for hours at a time. And man, can these be lifesavers if you're going to be outside for a long time in the cold. But in addition to something to keep your hands warm, 
let me encourage you to bring something to cover your head. Uh, because having your head exposed outside for long periods of time can really make you feel cold. So uh, don't worry about what you look like. Bring a beanie, bring a stocking cap, bring earmuffs, bring whatever you need to keep your head covered in cold weather. It's going to make a big difference. And finally, let me encourage you to bring something to break the wind. You know, I was cold in Germany, but I don't think I've ever been colder than I felt on a day that was about 60 degrees on an island in the Great Lakes up in Wisconsin. Now, I looked at the forecast and thought, oh, it's going to be in the 60s. This won't be any big deal. But what I didn't realize was that the wind whipping off the lake would absolutely chill me to the bone. I didn't need a heavy coat on that day, but what I sure wish I had had was a light jacket to break the wind. Uh, Even when it's not going to be below freezing, even when you're not going to be frigid, having something to break the wind can really make the difference between a pleasant, brisk day outside and an absolutely agonizing day of wind and cold. So next time you are going on a trip or you're taking travelers on a trip when it's going to be cold or even windy, make sure you bring something to warm your hands, something to cover your head, something to break the wind, And you can enjoy a lovely, charming winter trip without freezing to death. That is your road tip of the week. Well, before we move on, I want to share a little bit of news from us. You know, if you are like many of our listeners, you might be new to the tourism industry. Maybe you are thinking about starting a travel program for an organization you represent, a community group you're part of, maybe just putting together some group travel for friends. If that is you, we have a brand new resource that you are going to love. It's going to be hugely helpful to you. It's called Travel Free and Bring Your Friends, and it is a PDF download that gives you a comprehensive guide to starting a group travel program. And yes, traveling free by bringing your friends on trips. Now, this guide gives away all the secrets of the group travel industry. It is five chapters long, 32 pages, tons and tons of great info, and we are excited to put it in your hands. Now, you might ask yourself, how much does a resource like this cost because it sounds invaluable? Well, get ready. This resource is absolutely free. That's right. There's no cost to you or to anyone else. All you have to do is go to grouptravelleader.com slash travel free. That's all one word, travel free. When you get there, you're going to put in your first name and your last name and your email address, and we are going to email you a download link for that PDF. There's nothing else you have to do. It is absolutely free because we love helping people like you launch and grow fantastic group travel programs. So grouptravelleader.com slash travel free to get your copy of travel free and bring your friends. We can't wait for you to see it and we can't wait to hear what you think of it. Well, now it's just about time for us to get into our featured conversation with Fred Carlson. Before we do, let me remind you that you don't need to worry about taking notes because I am taking notes for you. You're going to find some of the most important things Fred had to say in the show notes right below the audio player you're listening to right now. And after we finish with the interview, let me encourage you to stick around for another couple minutes because I'm going to talk a little bit more about the problem of over-tourism and discuss 
how we should or maybe shouldn't handle it in the travel industry. That's the topic of today's hot minute. You won't want to miss that. We'll be right back with Fred Carlson. All right, everybody. My guest today is a serial entrepreneur who has worked in fields ranging from contracting and real estate to ice vending. Today, he's the founder and chief service officer of Serve Vacations, a group travel organization that combines community service with fun tourism experiences in destinations around the U.S. Fred Carlson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate it, Brian. I've been a big fan of the podcast and I, I look forward to, uh, to chatting. Well, it's so great to have you here. And uh, I can't wait for our audience to hear your story because uh, real estate, contracting, ice vending, tourism industry, you've got to help us understand how you got from all those other businesses uh, and then said, hey, I am going to start a tour business. So give us some of that background. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I'm a civil engineer by trade and and uh, have had a careers in real estate and construction and, and um, business and um, really, it just it goes back to when I was a, a kid. My uh, I, I was seven year old. You asked me back when I was seven, and I would tell you that uh, I wanted to be a travel agent. You know, I got to give a shout out to my mom, but she used to take us on these big family vacations. She'd put me and my sister in the car. My dad would stay home and work, and we'd go out drive from Florida all the way out west to the Grand Canyon and come all the way back and just. You know, she would actually let me do all of the uh, itinerary building and the navigation. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was before the Internet. So it was, you know, a, a stack of AAA guidebooks and a bunch of maps and uh, this this little kid, you know, telling her where to where to head to and what hotel we were going to stay at that night. You didn't book it online on an app. You know, you, you hope that there was, um, you know, a, ro- a room at the inn, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, just has always had that love and uh, a love for for both domestic and international travel and traveling with our family and our kids and um so you know that's really where that that passion comes from and um really never considered uh what a tour operator was or or group travel or anything like that at at, at that time you know quickly got into math and science and um, you know, frankly, people were telling everybody that there weren't going to be travel agents in a few years once the internet came along. And of course, you see how funny that sounds now, but right. um, it's, uh, it's an honor to, to be in the industry. I, um, when the Lord really gave us this vision for sort vacations, um, to combine volunteering and vacation, um, when, you know, our, we have a lot of families in, in our small group at church and, you know, just families that we're friends with from school and everywhere else that, uh, say they they um, really wish that they had more time to volunteer and how much um, you know energy it takes to schedule that into their busy schedules and uh, we just thought what if we could use vacation time you know to dedicate to to serving others and uh, you know it's it's um, you know very common for families to to go on a mission trip together if they're family oriented and um, you know potentially leave the kids for you know, a week at a time or something like that. But that's not really where our heart is. We want to serve with our kids. And, um, you know, we uh, we thought, well, there's all this time that we spend vacationing and trying to kind of escape and uh, and be served. But what if we use that time to to actually serve others? Yeah, 
Ah, that's amazing. So uh, you got into this in 2020. Tell us about the first trip that you ran, uh, where it was, and uh, maybe what you're planning to do now that you're three years in. So um, the first trip, it was kind of a friends and family trip. We were just trying to gauge, you know, whether there would be any interest um, in in this. And uh, we, we got a whole bunch of people, you know, together and said, we're going to be heading to Tarpon Springs, Florida. It's a it's a Greek community, um, lots of Greek heritage from back at the turn of the century. And the culture just has not changed in that small town. I don't know if you've ever visited, but the food, it's just so authentic and um, the, uh, just the kids still go to Greek school there. Wow. And, uh, we have a, a native guide. That's something that's, you know, very important to us in our tours is that we have guides that are local and, um, that are real experts in the community. And, um, we, we do a sponge diving, uh, boat ride where they actually have the diver put on the suit and, uh, and head out there. And, you know, something that was interesting to us, um, as our group went out is that, uh, we, we, uh, had a lot of people come out of the woodwork during COVID that were homeschool families. And, and we didn't expect that. Um, but a lot of those homeschool families wanted to get outside of the, the home classroom, so to speak, and just, you know, get out there and bring learning to life. And, and, uh, so they all started hopping on board and we realized, well, there's a really neat, um, market here. And that's one that's, that's really grown for us. And, um, that's intriguing, but yeah, we, um, you know, combine that, uh, with some service and we, uh, do great authentic, uh, food to whatever neighborhood we're in and, um, got a lot of great feedback from that and just kept, kept on developing it. Um, we, we started with single day trips and then as, uh, things, you know, as we started to have some repeat customers and some really excited, um, advocates for our brand, they started asking, can you take us on multi-day trips outbound to other cities like Williamsburg or to the Ark Encounter? And, um, so we've been, we're really starting to head in that direction and, and start to do more multi-day, day travel and, um, and, you know, heading to, to conferences like your, like group travel leaders and going on faith and, um, and boomers and groups and, and really understanding, you know, that multi-day, um, all the facets of multi-day travel. And we've started running, um, multi-day trips. So, uh, your customer demographic, maybe unlike any I've ever heard of before from a traditional tour operator. It, uh, it's fascinating to hear you talk about families going out, taking young kids, homeschool families. So tell me more about the marketplace, how it's responding. Have you had to go out there to market? Do you advertise or is it just more word of mouth, people finding out about what you're doing and reaching out to you? Yeah, a lot of it's word of mouth. Our, our different marketplaces or, or our niches, so to speak, it really is um, a lot of faith-based groups, churches and ministries, um, you know, maybe marriage retreats or, you know, small groups and then these homeschool families. Um, and it's, you know, curriculum-based travel for the homeschool families, really bringing learning to life, like I said. And then we have some senior groups and uh, we just came back from um, an alumni travel, um, you know, an affinity group for for. A college alumni associate or alumni network. And, um, we're also getting some, uh, church doing, doing some church tours for pastors in other cities. We're actually going internationally to, to London. I can talk more about that, but, um, yeah, it's a really unique demographic. It's the, the type of people are, are, you know, people that really, um, compassionate people who, you know, they want to be a light to the world. They want to give back. Um, they, they, enjoy getting to know people. They want to be treated like, like family while they're on the tours. 
Um, you know, sometimes it's folks that, that uh, haven't really volunteered before and they just want to dip their foot in and they want to mix it with some some exciting attractions and, and a great day or, or um, you know, maybe it's our, one of our baseball tours or something like that. Their passion is really about, you know, the theme of that, that trip. Um, but then they start, you know, serving while they're out there and they decide when they get back home, hey, this is just a, just a really, really fun activity. Let's go ahead and um, connect with this same charity back in my hometown and, and uh, you know, start, start volunteering there on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I love seeing that impact after the trip. That's a, that's a sign that these experiences are really sticking with people. That's what we're all about is, um, you know, connecting and uh, connecting folks to new charities that they're not aware of and, and helping them to become cheerleaders for, for that organization, you know, when they get back home and, and, same thing with the destinations that we go to. We want them, you know, excited about uh, where they're serving, where they're connecting, understanding the challenges and the hopes of that community, getting to know their DMOs and and uh, wanting to come back and visit, you know, in the future again. Yeah, I love that. So let's get into uh, a day in the life of a serve vacations customer. Uh, what are they going to do? Uh, what's the mix going to be like between uh, the time they spend serving, the time they spend on more traditional touring activities? Uh, can you give us a, a snapshot of that? Yeah, typically um, a serve vacation will start out, you know, whether it's a single day or a multi-day uh, trip. Um, the service is usually in the morning, um, just depending on what the, the facilities that we're serving at and, um, you know, their scheduling. But uh, picture serving maybe for a two, two and a half hour block. We're finding that that's kind of the sweet spot. That's what it kind of looks like. Maybe a two and a half hour block of serving in the morning. And then we go and have an authentic lunch to um, whatever neighborhood we're visiting that day. And uh, then we're off to, to do more um, sightseeing in the afternoon. And it's usually... Like I said, local step-on guides, um, you know, activities that are themed around whatever the theme of the of the um, serve vacation is, and uh, yeah, if it's if it's multi-day, you know, you're talking multiple of those two and a half hour blocks um, could be on a on a seven-day or a, a seven-night trip. It might be you know Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, serving at various charities in the morning. Um, really a deep dive into a into a community and kind of a hub and spokes model, staying in the same location and maybe a day off on on uh, Wednesday to to go to the beach or go to a you know major attraction or something. Um, that's that's really the the vision for it and how it's kind of played out. But um, long weekends might be one or two blocks of of service. Yeah. Uh, that makes total sense. So uh, you mentioned some do's and don'ts. I think that would be super helpful because this is a topic that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Uh, I, I was actually just at a conference this week uh, that was very focused on community impact and tourism. And uh, a lot of people like the idea of doing that, but uh, you are maybe a year or, or two or three years ahead of some people who would love to try it. So uh, I would love for our audience to know more about some of those do's and don'ts, uh, maybe some lessons you've learned the hard way. Uh, how do they do this in a way that is effective and uh, they don't end up with egg on their face? Yeah, um, really get to know the charities in your destination, wherever you, you are um, traveling and um, start vetting them and, and start understanding their unique needs and challenges in those communities. And, um, 
you know, make sure to explain to the charity um, as you're working with them that you want to share their mission, that you want to, you know, you want them to have that platform to be able to tour folks around their facility if it's an on-site. I don't think I mentioned that, but we we typically like to serve at the the local facilities wherever um, they're they're accomplishing their mission. Um, but you could also do offsite where they come to a hotel, you know, meeting room and are able to share their mission. And there's some sort of a volunteer activity. Um, maybe it's crafting greeting cards um, to give out to, uh, you know, advocates for uh, uh, at, a, at a foster home or, or uh, therapists at a sex trafficking ministry or something like that. Um, but, you know, make sure uh, to explain to the charity that you really want them to have an opportunity to share their mission with the guests, tour them around their facility, um, that we're trying to create, you know, wow moments, but authentic wow moments and, and where people are really, really touched by, um, the people that they're able to serve and they go away knowing that they've made a positive impact and that it's sustainable. And, and that's, you know, most important is that you're not, it's not just a flash in the pan and you're, you're actually doing something that's going to continue after you leave. And, um, you know, an easy way to do that is to be partnering with with local community-based charities. And that's what we try to do. And and that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't a national charity, but what it means is that there's a local board and that there are, are services that are customized to that local community and that they're continuing those those services long after you leave and and give your guests the opportunity to come back and to engage with them and and um, and stay involved. Yeah. Um, also, understanding the um, the charity's space restrictions is really critical. It's very unique when you're dealing with travel. You know, is that that hey, we might not be able to bring a busload of fifty people and and you know volunteer at this facility. It might just be too small of a food pantry that they can't handle that. So any special age restrictions or waivers that have to be signed that makes it you know very unique. And that's you know one of the reasons that you probably don't always see traditional larger tour operators, um, dealing in this space, but, um, you know, they're probably just as capable a lot more than, than we are at, um, you know, checking those boxes and, and, uh, you know, understanding their, their partners. So I, I hope to see it get into, you know, that larger space as well. So talk to us about some of the service opportunities, what they look like, say, uh, when you do go to an organization's facility, what are some of the things that your travelers end up doing? And especially how does that connect with the multi-generational aspect? Because, you know, if I go on a trip with my elementary school kids, uh, there are things they can do, things I can do, but they may not overlap. So how does that work? That's awesome. Um, we do have a big heart for intergenerational groups and um, you know, whether that just means that families are traveling together, like maybe, um, you know, seniors want to take their kids and their grandkids on a vacation where they're giving back and they're instilling those values in their, in their grandkids. And, um, so, you know, ways to do that or to both, both the attractions that we go to need to excite all ages, but also, um, you know, the, the service opportunity as well. And, um, creating a pace that makes sense. Like I said, two and a half hours seems to be kind of a sweet spot, sweet spot because it, um, it works well for, um, you know, all ages. If you start to get past that, you know, the, the small children or even, you know, elementary school children, uh, start to get, um, a little antsy or they, they get distracted. And so, 
um, we try to find volunteer experiences that make sense with the, the time frame. And um, we even sometimes will provide activities or even an extra guide um, that can kind of uh, watch the kids and allow them to kind of have their own specialized activity. Maybe it's breaking down boxes. If we're, um, you know, if we're boxing up uh, canned goods or something like that in a food pantry, the kids might actually get to go over and stomp on boxes while the adults are actually doing packing those bags efficiently, you know, yeah. and everybody gets to, to, to do something fun, but it, it's geared towards their age group. And, um, you know, on some of our trips, we aspire to have uh, childcare for, for, um, a date night, you know, for the, for the parents. And so those, those are kind of some of the things. And then the, then the typical logistics with transportation of having room to put on strollers, um, you know, some of our trips, we have the minimum age be, be kindergarten, but, um, others, we, we love the idea of, um, you know, not having to turn away families with, with small, small children and, um, with the, the intergenerational travel, like you'd be surprised how many seniors they, they live in either communities or they live, um, you know, far away from their family members and their loved ones and their grandkids. And they just love to, to, to consider traveling, um, with, with families. It's not for everybody, but, um, some, it, it's just really beautiful. And a lot of parents tell us that we want to have our kids exposed to, to older generations that can share stories of the way that it used to be and, um, you know, just kind of expose our kids to, to um, you know, the important values and stories that, that they might not be hearing every day. Um, some of the, just to answer your question about different service opportunities, though, like that's just, you know, so much fun to talk about is um, in addition to like food pantries for elderly or a homeless shelter and serving in a homeless shelter in, in different capacities, um, we even, we do environmental trips. We have a marine science uh, trip to, to Panama City Beach where we plant sea oats for erosion control and, and building marine habitat. And that's actually with a marine scientist from University of Florida. Um, oh, music and arts ministries. There's one there near Tarpon Springs that we love that's close to our heart, Finding My Wings. And it's an art ministry for people coming out of sex trafficking. And so um, it gives opportunity for, you know, student groups and stuff you know, they're, they'll actually come in and get to do, um, you know, do artwork, um, as, as a part of the, the volunteer experience and, uh, beautification or gardening is, is a good one. And park cleanups, um, going in and clearing out invasive species at Silver Springs State Park is very, very valuable to the rangers. And, um, that's, that's, you know, always fun for kids and, and adults and, uh, and good exercise and everything. And then, you know, during the holidays, holidays are coming up. We've got Salvation Army partnerships with ringing the bells and organizing their angel tree toy distribution, um, laying flowers at veterans' grave sites. Um, we have a partnership. We're working on, we're, we're, we're trying to find a group that's interested in uh, going out to um, Great Wolf Lodge and surround the country and, uh, and doing a sort of vacation in partnership with them, but also um, getting to tour the local community where, where you're visiting. But the uh, the volunteer service experience is actually doing a, a build a bear, you know, that they're famous for, but doing it for children in uh, the hospital or for foster kids in the local community. Um, so the kids that are actually building the little wolf for them, they're they're building it for for another child, and and so that's those are some fun fun ideas. And that doesn't have to be done in a particular facility. That could be done in a hotel meeting or conference room. Yeah. 
Now you used a phrase a couple minutes ago that I think might have made some people's head spins. You talked about strollers on motor coaches. And I know a lot of our traditional adult tour companies are thinking, <laughs> how do I even begin to wrap my head around what would be involved in uh, providing everything you need to provide for young parents to have a successful trip. So, you know, in addition to uh, space on the motor coach, what are some of the other things, really practical things that you guys do to make sure that a truly multi-generational trip is fun and accessible and sort of hassle-free for people of all ages? I mean, I, we, we definitely probably are of a, a smaller size and, and a little bit more flexible and, and nimble um, that we're, you know, kind of taking it on a case by case basis and trying to design the trip around those groups. So some of them may be that the, um, the groups are traveling on their own to, um, a given city and, uh, meeting up at the hotel. And then we're doing a kind of a hub and spokes where the, the transportation is picking up, uh, for the day. And that's where, you know, those, the strollers might, uh, come in and out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that's, like I, I mentioned pace and that's really, really key too, is to be able to understand, um, the pace of your travelers and, and tour directors, uh, you know, folks like Mitch Bach and they, that's, that's a lot of what they teach is, um, how to design your itinerary, um, around, uh, your guests, um, needs. And so that's the kind of stuff that we're learning, you know, as we go. Um, but, uh, like I said, too, doing activities and games and icebreakers that that bridge, you know, the generations. Maybe it's trivia, um, that childcare for for adults to be able to have a date night. Whether it's a um, a uh, camp, you know, coming in. Maybe it's a sports camp coming into the the hotel um, to be able to do some sort of an activity for the kids. Um, while, while the adults have the flexibility of, of doing dinner there on site or, or maybe even off site. I'm interested to know, you know, you're spending roughly two and a half hours in the morning, uh, at a service project. How does the service element affect the way you price the tour? I'm interested to know, uh, does it keep costs down because you're not having paid admissions or, are there costs in doing service that people may not be thinking about that actually add to the price of the tour? I think they're right to think that it's, that they're, that they're low cost. You know, there are supplies that are sometimes involved if you're um, doing, you know, crafting or, you know, just like any types of, of things you might be uh, doing a collection. If it's a corporate group, you know, the, the group, it might be an added cost in that you're asking um, the guests to either provide ahead of time or bring with them, uh, you know, unwrapped, Christmas toys for the kids while they're going out to Angel Tree to um, to to organize the distribution of it, if that if that makes sense. So yeah, um, there there may be additional costs, but in general, it's very very low, and it might be substituting. You know, usually our 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 service is what where we get some of the big wow moments that you might expect from like a really expensive attraction. So in a way, it's substituting for that. Um, you know, it might be taking away some of the profit potential during that time period where you could be, um, you know, at something that has more of a perceived, um, value to it. Um, but really that intangible value that they're getting from, from serving, I, I think that that's like immeasurable. So, um, it's, it's kind of a balance, but I would really encourage you know everybody to, to consider it and not let that, that hinder you. If anything, it's a, it's a plus. 
So as you look into the future, I know, of course, you would love to see great success and growth for Serve Vacations. What would you dream of seeing, not only for your company, but for the future of uh, service and volunteering in tourism in general? Well, I'd like to see more of them, of course, um, more domestic specifically. I think volunteerism and uh, service tourism has been, um, you know, very common, of course, in faith-based with with mission trips and stuff. But um, specifically, our model of just integrating some volunteering or service into um, your vacation, um, I think it's it's been very common with African safaris and, uh, you know, South American tours, um, Central American tours, but um, doing it more domestically and in secondary cities um, where where you can make a really big impact. And there's huge, you know, there's a whole lot of needs right here at home in our in our country and in our small towns and in um, you know places like we we're we're working on a um, South Georgia agritourism tour and uh, just the amount of poverty in some of those areas, but. Uh, you know, just so much hope and excitement in the communities and, you know, the small towns um, love to have the economic impact. They love to have the visitors. They love to just have that platform. And we, we want to give that to them. Um, but we're just a little small voice in the industry um, right now, but um, also more local community-based charities, you know, not, like I said, national partnerships are great and big organizations, but um, you know, sometimes, uh, just going local really, really um, has more more impact um, and, and more impact, I think, on the guests. Um, more day tour operators um, offering a volunteerism, a volunteerism version of their typical trip. Um, we would love to, to partner with you on that or to, to work with you on, on taking your existing day trip and creating a um, volunteerism uh, version of your trip. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, that's really on our heart is, um, is partnering with, with tour directors that just have a great love for service too. And, um, starting to, to see it, um, more open. Yeah. Well, for anybody out there, and, and I'm sure there are people out there who are hearing you talk about these things and they're getting excited and they're saying, Oh, I got to connect with Fred. I got to learn more about what they're doing. And, try to build a partnership. What's the best way for people to find you, follow you, reach you and uh, start collaborating? Oh, thank you. Well, um, our website, of course, is servvacations.com. If you smush the word service and the word vacations together with just one common V, it's serve vacations. So it's like servvacations.com. And, uh, our Facebook is serve vacations and, uh, Instagram is Survacation, and uh, my my uh, office phone is 813-498-2229, and email address is fred.carlson at surfvacations.com. So yeah, we're just, I'm very available. Yeah, wonderful. Well, since you're a regular listener, you know that I'm not going to let you out of here without uh, answering our four just for fun questions. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gets out of here without answering these questions. I'm like the troll guarding the bridge. <laughs> so, so to start us off, when you book travel, are you booking a window seat or an aisle seat? Uh, definitely an aisle. I'm pretty tall. I need the extra space. And sometimes you'll see my legs slip out there and, and uh, might get bumped by the, the cart. 
Yeah, I've, uh, I've been there, man. I know what you're saying. So uh, what is one thing in your carry-on that you wouldn't travel without? Oh, my iPad. It's just too convenient that it fits so easily these days in the, you know, in, in my, I think you're talking about personal item, I'm guessing. I, I always have it in, in there and it gets through security real, real easily and uh, just so many, so many things to do and be able to read on, on uh, planes and, and everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you can get some of your best reading done on a plane because there's no other interruptions. So true. <laughs> Although I love to, as you can tell, I love to, to chat and get to know people. So sometimes <laughs> I'll get, get wordy and not even pull my, my iPad out. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Okay. So if you had a free airline pass and a week with nothing else to do, where would you be headed next? Um, let's see, you know, my family, we, we love to, to travel internationally and we have friends and family all over the world. And, uh, we, we recently, a couple of years ago, uh, visited our friends in Turkey and, uh, we have an amazing tour operator over there that, that, um, we know and work with. And, and I've been to all the big, you know, Istanbul and Izmir and Cappadocia, hot air ballooning with the kids and, we were, we really lo- would love to do a surf vacation over there um, one of these days. Um, but there are some cities that we missed out on kind of down there in the south on the Mediterranean, like Antalya. And, uh, and you know, we've been to Ephesus, but like Bodrum and those, I, I don't know. I think uh, Turkey's a fascinating country and just so hospitable. And so maybe uh, getting to spend even more time there would be cool. That would be cool. Okay. So last question, what is one thing you have seen or done on the road that you wish you could go back and experience again with somebody you love? Oh, I know what I would do is, um, we have a, um, a baseball, a father's day, um, baseball trip that we do with, um, typically it's fathers and sons, but you know, it's daughters and fathers or daughters and grandfathers or, um, whatever. But, um, we visit the, uh, field of dreams movie site oh, cool. and, uh, my son Kyle and I went, you know, together the, the first year and just had a fantastic time. Um, I've got, uh, two other sons and a daughter and, uh, they, they haven't been there yet. So I look forward to getting to, to, I'm not a big, you know, baseball player or anything, but getting to pitch to, to them as well. And, uh, that was just a special memory. That one comes up, uh, yeah the father's day week in the, in the summer. Yeah. Ah, that would be sweet. Uh, I look forward to seeing those pictures. So Fred, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for all you do for the industry. We appreciate it, Brian. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed that conversation with Fred Carlson as much as I did. Fred is a lovely guy. I always enjoy getting to spend some time with him. And I want to go back and hit a few of the things that he said just to make sure that you don't miss some of these important ideas. Now, when we were talking about uh, the ideal mix of activities on a service-focused vacation, Fred said, picture serving in the morning for a two or two and a half hour block. We're finding that that's kind of the sweet spot. Then we're off to do sightseeing in the afternoon. You know, I love this idea of blending service and fun on a trip. You know, no trip has to be all of one thing. And whether it's two and a half hours or one hour or four hours, whatever works for your group and your audience, 
Imagine what your trips could be like if you did include a little block of service or impact or a way to give back. It doesn't mean you're not having fun. It doesn't mean your people aren't going to appreciate it. It might mean they appreciate it more. You just have to be smart about how you deliver that mix and how you set expectations for what the trip is going to involve. Now, when we talked about how to do impact tourism in a meaningful way, Fred said you should really get to know the charities in your destination. Start vetting them and understanding their unique needs and challenges in the communities. Make sure you explain to them that you want to share their mission. And he went on to say, we're trying to create wow moments, but authentic wow moments where people are really touched by the people they're able to serve and they go away knowing that they made a positive impact and that it's sustainable. It's important that you're doing something that can continue after you leave. You know, we've seen problems before in the tourism industry where uh, people sell experiences that have a high emotional value, but uh, may not really be making a positive, sustainable difference in the places they're making. So I love uh, this focus on really building relationships in the communities you're visiting, really figuring out how you can serve people on the ground, how you can meet their needs in a way that is meaningful and how you can do it in a way that is sustainable so that your visit isn't a one-time thing that doesn't really move the needle, but you can start to build relationships that can help impact communities over and over again. Finally, when we talked about the value of serving on a tour, Fred said, our service is where we get some of the big wow moments that you might expect from a really expensive attraction. And he went on to say, it might be taking away some of the profit potential when you could be at something that has more of a perceived value, but really that intangible value they're getting from service is immeasurable. I love this perspective and I would venture a guess that Fred is absolutely right. I've seen it myself on lots of trips where I have had opportunities to interact with locals and to make a meaningful impact on the local community. Those are the moments that end up the most memorable on a trip. That's what everybody goes home talking about. That's what they sign up to do again the next time they travel with you. Great stuff there from Fred Carlson. And, you know, Fred sent along some ideas and opportunities and resources that we didn't even have a chance to get to in the interview. But I'm going to include all of those in the show notes for this episode. Be sure to check them out. Well, we talked earlier in the show about steps that Venice is taking to address problems of overtourism. And it got me thinking, how big a problem is overtourism really in our industry? Well, that's going to be the topic of today's Hot Minute. Yeah, that's right. The hot minute is the portion of the show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered views on an issue impacting tourism every day. So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. All right. Over tourism is one of the most used buzzwords in the tourism industry these days. I hear it everywhere I go. But if you ask me, it's actually one of the most overhyped problems we face. Yes, there are places like Venice where high volumes of visitor traffic threaten to do real damage to sensitive environments. And yes, sometimes tourism can negatively impact local culture. But from what I can tell, there are only a couple dozen places around the world at serious risk of overtourism. And in the U.S., there's probably only a small handful. In fact, if you ask most travel and hospitality professionals, they're going to tell you their biggest problem isn't having too many visitors, but figuring out how to attract more. So maybe instead of spinning our wheels, 
fretting over a problem that only impacts a tiny percentage of destinations. Our industry should spend its collective brain power trying to solve bigger problems that impact all of us. That is the hot minute. That's how I see things anyway. Of course, as always, you're welcome to disagree with me and we can still be friends. And hey, whether you agree or disagree, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us at podcast at grouptravelleader.com. I read every email that comes into that address. I really genuinely enjoy hearing from you. And hey, you never know. The thoughts or questions, ideas, comments, rebuttals you send us, well, they might just show up as the topic of the next hot minute. And hey, while you're in the mood to give us some feedback, would you do me a big favor? Would you go to your favorite podcast playing app, find Gather and Go, hit that follow button so you get the next episode in your sleep. And while you're there, give us a rating, leave us a review. Those are super helpful. And I am thankful to every one of you who has done that so far. My thanks as well to Fred Carlson for joining us. That about wraps it up for Gather and Go for 2023. We're going to take some time off for the holidays. We will be back in mid-January. I can't wait for you to hear the brand new content we're working on. And hey, between now and then, why not go back and listen to some of the 40 episodes in our back catalog so you can continue learning and growing your tourism business as we celebrate the holidays. Until then, though, remember this. At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Tanya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 859-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the Group Travel Leader. For more information on our podcast, magazines, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com. Thank you.